morning. Uh, welcome to Connection Point and welcome to those joining us online. So glad you're here today. And I have a question for you today. Have you ever made a decision you wish you hadn't? Maybe I should ask this. Raise your hand if never in your life have you made a choice that you didn't later at some point regret. Anybody? Like every choice has been 100%. Hey, if so, let me, let me talk to you after service. <laughs> I, need to, I need to know that secret this morning. No, I'm sure. We, we probably all at some point made a choice or engaged in activity. Maybe uh, we look back on it and thought, you know, that, that could have done something different that day. So as a fifth grader, our family lived in Ellendale, North Dakota. North Dakota. Uh, so in case you are unaware, I can talk a little Canadian, eh? Uh, my wife has worked hard for 18 years to correct all of my A's. Like, bag. Who's it? Bag. How did I even used to say it? Like, I, I, like she's corrected me so much, I'm good now. <laughs> bag, that's it, bag. <laughs> Get me a bag. She's like, what's a bag? <laughs> oh, man. But we lived in Elmore, North Dakota. It was a town of about 2,000 people. So my dad was the president of Trinity Bible College in Allendale, which is like 1,000 of those people. So we're talking a pretty small town. Uh, the joy of a small town when you're a fifth grader is there's not a whole lot you can do to get yourself in trouble. And so, like, you've got free reign of the town. So I would have breakfast, jump on my bike, and go meet up with some friends somewhere. We'd, we'd do something. And so one of those days, we found, like, a retention pond. And somebody had gifted us a rope hanging from a tree that you could swing out over this retention pond on. Like, what a gift. That's awesome. So we proceeded to do exactly that. We, we swung out as far as we could. And, you know, why change into swimming trunks? Jeans, T-shirts, and tennis shoes are just fine. And so we were swinging out over this rope. But then, of course, somebody has the idea of, how can we make this better? How can we make this a competition? So we decided we'd see who could swing out and jump and land the farthest into the pond. So my buddy Sam, he was first up. So he jumped on that rope and, you know, reared back as far as he could and, and took a running leap at it swung out, plop, and all you could hear is, it was a mud pit. And so he stuck in that mud. In fact, what we didn't realize, it was there was some kind of, we to this day don't actually know exactly what kind of retention pond that was, because there was something in that pond that was like sucking into, so like he was almost being sucked back into the pond, so started screaming for help. So then us as fifth graders make a human chain and grab a hold of Sam and, and you know, bring him all back in. And we're, we're a mess, absolutely a mess. We could have probably chose better that day in terms of activities to engage in. Uh, we did go to Adam's house and go to his backyard and hose each other off and got cleaned up. Wasn't the, the wisest activity to engage in that day. You know, as we look at choices that we make, we make choices every day. Choices in what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, uh, what we're going to do with our day. And there are some choices that are small, almost insignificant, but there's other choices, they're huge. The, the impact of what we make in that choice, it, it actually impacts things for, for a very long time. The greatest choice that we could ever make in life is the choice to follow Jesus. Greatest choice. That, that's the choice that you make and you don't look back on with regret. I have yet to find someone, when I ask them in their decision to follow Jesus, who says, I, I regret making that decision. But yet at the same time as we follow Jesus, if you've followed him for long enough, you've realized your life isn't going to be perfect. Jesus even talks about that. And in the passage we're going to head into today, he talks about how following him will affect your life. Following Jesus affects your life. And it affects it in various ways. 
So as we continue our series in Luke today, we're going to head into a passage where Jesus is defining for his followers, for the crowds that are asking him questions, what is the effect of making the decision to follow me? So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you do. I hope you've got your Bible with you today. Uh, I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to finish up Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, we're going to read verses 49 to 59. And we stand simply out of reverence to say, God, thank you for giving your word to us. And so Jesus speaking here, he says in Luke chapter 12, verse 49, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it's accomplished. Do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you've paid the very last penny. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So a couple of weeks ago, we left off in Luke chapter 12, talking about a passage where Jesus is explaining what's going to happen as he returns one day. Because Jesus is coming back. After Jesus, he, he died on the cross. He was crucified. He, three days later, rose from the dead, experienced resurrection. You know, and I always say, if, if a guy claims that he's going to die and be raised from the dead and he does it, we should probably listen to that guy, right? So he, he dies. He's resurrected. Forty days later, he ascends to the right hand of God. And what he's telling the disciples is, is look, I'm going to come back one day. And when I come back, I'm going to hold you accountable for what you did with what I shared with you. So the passage that we looked at, it talked about when Jesus comes, that he's also going to come judging uh, us, judging people in terms of how they live their lives. Number one, did we choose to follow him? And with that decision, then what did we do with the information he gave us? What did he do with the grace that he gave us? A key verse there was, to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. I share that if you live in America, even if you haven't yet made a decision to follow Jesus, if you live in the U.S., you've been given much. I will never forget, coming back from having lived overseas, we, we came back in June 2015. We were in Springfield, Missouri for some meetings. Nate, our oldest, was in third grade at the time. And within a couple of days of driving to those meetings, he made the comment. He said, man, there's a lot of churches here. In case you're unaware, a church on almost every corner, we've been given much. We have easy access to the message of Jesus. And so because we have given much, much is required of us. So what are we doing with that? What are we doing with the grace that we've been given? Grace that we've been given that we're going to be held accountable for. So with grace comes accountability. What are we doing with that? And so how are we preparing for the day that Jesus is coming? And last week, if you were here, we talked about on Vision Sunday how our heart as a church is to prepare you for that day. We want to help you become like Jesus and equip you to bring others in the same. Because that's what's required. That in Luke chapter 12, Jesus says, look, 
Wise is the person who's ready for battle, whose lamps are lit, who stays ignited, who stays passionate for who I am, but then also feeds others. So we want to help you do that. So if you're here for Vision Sunday, I want to remind you, you're invited. You're invited to step into that process. Have you found belonging here? Do you believe in Jesus? Are you becoming like him? Do you feel like you're equipped on bringing others in the same thing? Uh, this morning, one of the, the guys on our, our music team, he actually shared a testimony. So he's in my mentoring group, and we met Wednesday night, and we were talking about all things. And lo and behold, on Thursday, God gave him an opportunity in the workplace to share Jesus with another. And we're never surprised by that. Because as we start to step into the life that God has for us, then he's going to bring people along to say, hey, could you speak into the life of this person? That's just what he does. So you're invited to that process. If you missed Vision Sunday last week, I encourage you to go back and watch it online, connectionpointchurch.org. It's an important message for us as we head into this next year, but really as we just head into life as a church. We want you to be a part of that process. And as we look at our passage this morning, when we make that decision to follow Jesus, when we make a decision to start becoming like him, it's going to affect the way we live. And so Jesus starts to talk about that. He's basically saying, look, as you stay on fire for me, as you start to feed others, here are some things you're going to bump into. And the first thing is this, is that as we choose Jesus, it will affect our family relationships. Choosing Jesus will affect our family relationships. And this verse is an interesting one. When you look at the verses that Jesus is sharing, I mean, that one verse right there, what's he say? I have come to cast fire on the earth. I have a baptism to be baptized with. How great is my distress until it's accomplished? Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. As Pastor Eric and I were preparing some young adults to go to Amman, Jordan in March, we walked through a, a series of training videos talking about uh, helping to prepare them for life in the Middle East. What's the culture? Uh, the religion of Islam is strong there, so what is Islam? And how do we talk to people from the Middle East? And so one of the testimonies that was shared in that series is a, a woman who had grown up in Dearborn, Michigan. She grew up in a Muslim home. She later made a decision to follow Jesus, but she talked about her journey, and she specifically mentioned that verse. She said, I struggled on my journey in following Jesus. She's like, because, you know, I'd read the Bible, you know, love your enemies and, and love your neighbor, and she's like, I was good, and then I'd read, I came not to bring peace but division, so I'd throw my Bible across the room and like, forget this, I'm not following Jesus. So it's a struggle, because at the same time, if you've been here for a series on Luke, and Luke chapter 2, which was like a year and a half ago, Luke chapter 2 what does it say at the proclamation of the birth of Jesus? Here's what it says. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, uh, peace among those with whom he's pleased. Peace among those. So glory to God, peace has come in the form of an infant. But look at this verse. Peace among those with whom he's pleased. Peace among those. Jesus, I'll say it right up front. His heart, his hope is to bring peace into your heart, into your life. The word peace is shalom in Hebrew. We would translate it as wholeness. Jesus' heart is to bring wholeness to your life. But there's a bit of a conditional statement there with whom he is pleased. How do we please the Lord? We surrender our lives to him. So Jesus brings peace to those who surrender their lives. The challenge for most of us is we don't like to surrender everything. Jesus, I'll give you this part and this part. Let me hold on to this part and to this part. We've got to surrender it all. And the joy is this, as we surrender it all, we sang it this morning, as we surrender it all, then that abiding peace comes in ever-increasing measure. As we allow Jesus to invade every area of our lives, that's where real peace is found. Where we're lacking peace, I'll just tell you, 
It's an area of your life you've not surrendered to God. If you surrender everything to God, peace is there. So if you're lacking peace this morning, it's probably due to a lack of surrender. Jesus' heart, he came to establish peace in your heart. He came to establish abiding peace in your home. But what's required is surrender. So then we look at this passage. Well, what about, he says, I didn't come to bring peace, but division. Jesus is just speaking very straightforwardly. He's basically saying, look, let's be honest. As you make a decision to follow me, I want to be upfront to tell you your experience, it could be challenging. That you might go home if you've made that decision, but if you've come out of a home of unbelievers, they might not like that decision you've made. I mean, if I asked you to raise your hand, this might be your experience or you know somebody who's experienced this. I'm sure a lot of you would raise your hands. I know people like this. So what Jesus is just being honest. He wants to be forthright. He doesn't want to say, look, when you make a decision to follow me, it's not just going to be daisies and roses. Following me could create division. But yet at the same time, God's heart is unity. But he knows unity is going to come as other people do what? They surrender their lives to him. So for us to experience the abiding peace that Jesus longs for us to to have, we've got to surrender to him. But he's also saying, but if you've come from a home where maybe they, they don't believe in my name, maybe they don't live lives centered on me, it could create division. It could create it for a time. But of course, then our responsibility is, as we get to know who Jesus is, we're invited to share him with others too, especially our friends and family, those people that you know. I know a lot of people who've made this decision. They, the Holy Spirit, he's drawing them because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That, and maybe you're here this morning. Maybe that's where you found yourself. Maybe you've walked in here today because the Holy Spirit said you need to come to this church in the corner of 231 in Cumberland today. So maybe that's your experience. But you also know if you make a decision to follow Jesus as you go back to your workplace, as you go back to your neighborhood, as you go back to your home, people are going to ask you questions. They're going to think it's foolishness to follow God. The Bible actually says that, that to the world, it looks like foolishness that we would surrender our lives to God. But what's God say? The foolish things of man are the wise things of God. So it's wisdom. So just don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if, if it might cause division. But can I share with you a joy this morning? That when you make a decision to follow Jesus, not only do you find belonging with him, but you find belonging in his church that although there might be challenges with a family that doesn't serve the Lord, you have a family that does. Um, my kids love this. They have lots of aunts and uncles here. Aunt Deanne and Uncle Mick, you know, Uncle Naren and Aunt Suzanne, and they love their aunts and uncles, and they love the church in this way. You know, if you're not aware, Shelley and I are not from West Lafayette, so we don't have uh, immediate family here, but we're okay with that. You know what a joy it is to celebrate birthdays, holidays, and events with our church family? It's a beautiful thing. God designed it that way. So even if you come from a home of people that don't believe in Jesus, can I encourage you today? You're in a home right now that's full of people that love you and they're meant to be your family. God can give you the family your heart longs for. He can give you the family your heart longs for. So as you make a decision to follow Jesus, it can affect your relationships with your family. As you make a decision to follow Jesus, it could even create division in your home. But there's a reason for that. Because as you make a decision, as you choose to follow Jesus, it changes your view on life. When you choose Jesus, it changes your view. It affects your view on life. It absolutely does. So Jesus walks out of these verses on saying, look, I've come not to bring peace but division, to basically say, as you follow me, your friends and family might not understand, but the joy is, is that you enter into a new family and guess what they're going to do? They're going to encourage you to help you bring me back to those friends and family 
who don't understand this decision you've made. But at the same time, these friends and family, as we uh, look to follow Jesus, they might even know how to follow weather patterns. They might pull up the the weather app on their phone and and know what the weather's going to be today, but they're missing my activity in the world. And Jesus is challenging us. How can we understand the weather, but yet miss the bigger things in life? That's what he's really talking about. What Jesus is saying is, is how can you, so he's talking to that first century crowd, how can you understand and see clouds coming off the Mediterranean and you know it's going to rain? How can you see the wind coming up from the southwest from the desert and understand that it's going to be really hot now? How can you see that and not see me right in front of you as the Messiah performing miracles and to see that God's kingdom has come, that I've inaugurated God's kingdom on this earth? How can you be missing that right now? But he asked the same question of all of us. How can we know so many things about farming? How can we know so many things about teaching? How can we know so many things about working in a factory? How can we know so many things? Fill in the blank. But how can we miss what God's doing in the world today? How can we miss it? How can we not have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is doing? How can we be missing those things? So that question is for all of us today. It's not just for that first century audience who had Jesus right in front of them. That same question applies to us today. That may we not get so busy playing fantasy football, watching Netflix and Hulu, doing all these things under the sun and miss what God's doing in the world today. Because God's activity is eternal. Everything else is temporary. May we not get caught up in everything else this life has to offer and miss what God is going after in the world today. This is why we have things like Vision Sunday, because we constantly want to get before God year after year and say, God, what is it that you are doing and how can we be a part? We're invited to God's activity in the world. We've got over 200 kids in the kids' spaces on a Sunday morning. Over 200 kids. God bless our kids' workers. They're discipling kids. But how can we not then say, ah, 200 plus kids, good luck, have a great time over there. What an awful response that would be. No, let's say, man, let's pour in some resources there. Let's see if we can make it easier for our volunteers to serve there. May we invite more people to those spaces and say, God, we see what you're doing. You're building your kingdom in the hearts of kids. Let's be there too. That's why we do Vision Sunday. Because we want to say, God, if you're starting to send out church planters into places like Saudi Arabia and Yemen and Qatar and Bahrain, may we get behind them and send them too. So uh, if you're unaware, Dick Brogdon is coming in November, and I'll tell you right now, buckle up, I don't know what he's going to share, but he sends these, you know, books ahead of himself that we're going to set out on that day. You want to know what's on that book? It says, go, send, or disobey. That's pretty clear. Go, send, or disobey. Lord, may we see your activity in the world, and may we be a part Let us not get caught up in so many things in this world and become knowledgeable in so many spaces and miss the very heart of God, which is hearts for people, his hearts for kids, his hearts for the people of Qatar, his hearts for the people of Nepal, his hearts for the people of Latin America. So may we have hearts for them too. So if you're not yet a part of Kingdom Builders, may I encourage you, be a part of that. Affect change in this world, in our local community, in the world around us. As you follow Jesus, it will affect the way you view life. It will change what you invest your life into, what you invest your resources in. But also, as you choose to follow Jesus, it will affect your eternal destiny. As you follow Jesus, it will affect your eternal destiny. It will change the very trajectory of your life. 
And what a joy that is. So here's what Jesus is saying in this passage. Look, following me, choosing to follow me, it might affect your home life. Choosing to follow me is going to change the way that you view life. But here's the joy. Choosing to follow me will change your eternal destiny. You will settle your books before the accuser. Here's what he's saying in that passage. He says, why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? And you go with your accuser before the magistrate. Make an effort to settle with him on the way. As you choose Jesus, you have settled with God. You have cleared the books before God. Because otherwise we stand before him condemned. Paula, a New Testament follower of Jesus. He writes in a book called Romans in the New Testament. And here's what he says. He says that for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standards. All of us do. We all fall short. No, not one is perfect in this place. But he also writes uh, another verse in that book. He says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is. So this is why, like, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus and your family considers it foolishness, it's because they don't understand their need of a savior. If you don't understand you need Jesus, then it looks like foolishness to follow Jesus. But can I share you an encouraging verse? Here's another verse. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but... That's a good word in the Bible, folks. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus came because we needed a savior. Jesus came because he wanted to affect our eternal destiny. So Jesus is saying, although following me, when you choose to follow me, it could create challenges in your home. Choosing to follow me is gonna change the way that you view life. But here's the encouragement. Choosing to follow me means you've cleared the books before God. That the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. That's a free gift. That we have settled our debt before God. I love that, that old song. He paid a debt he did not owe. Anybody know that song? I owed a debt I could not pay. Who knows it? I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. What's that song? Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Praise God. May we never take for granted the debt that has been cleared in Jesus' name. May we live as ones whose debt has been forgiven, and may we offer other people's debts to be forgiven too. That's the life we're offered in Jesus. So I encourage you this morning, if you've not made that decision to choose Jesus, choose him. Greatest choice you could ever make in life. That's a choice you don't look back on and say, man, I regret that. No, that's a choice you say, that changed the entire trajectory of my life. That from this day forward, everything could be different. Choosing Jesus will affect the way that you live. It absolutely will. Paul, he continues to write in the book of Romans. I want to share a couple other verses with you as it relates to the joy we have in choosing Jesus. Well, here's what he writes in, in Romans 5.8. But God showed his great love for us. We serve a good God. God has a love for everyone in this room this morning. We, we, the, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So even though all of us fall short, what did God do? What's my response? God says, I'm going to send my son for you. And then here's what, he else, what else he shares. I'm going to turn around for this one. It gets too small for my eyes. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It's by openly declaring with your faith that you are saved. So how do we respond? What's our response to God? God, Jesus says, following me can cause problems in your home. Following me will make you view life differently. 
but following me settles the debt that you have before your accuser. So how do we respond? We respond to this marvelous act. That's our response. We say, Jesus, I choose you today. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And as you're standing, just want to ask that question. Maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision to choose Jesus, but you would say, I don't want to settle with my accuser. The opportunities before you today. You know, this passage, these are, these are kind of some hard words, but we don't avoid them because Jesus is trying to make clear, for he is truth. He's trying to make clear for us the marvelous act that he committed. So grace is powerful. That's what these verses show today. Grace is powerful. So may we not miss the power of grace today. So if you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I need to choose Jesus today. I don't want to live apart from him that I will follow him no matter what other effect it has on my life. With every head bowed in this room, if you'd say that that's me today, I want to choose Jesus today. I just want to invite you to raise your hand so I can pray with you before we leave today. Anybody would say that's me. I need to choose Jesus today. I want to follow him, commit my life to him. God, I just pray that we would all choose you. And Lord, with our entirety today, Jesus, you came that we might know wholeness. But Lord, that wholeness comes as we surrender everything to you. May we hold nothing back today. So God, even for those in this room that have prayed a prayer that says, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that God raised you from the dead. They've confessed it with their mouth. They believed it in their heart. But God, I just pray that if they're here, but have not surrendered everything, I pray that they do it today as we sing. As we close in song, may they truly sing those words of I have decided to follow Jesus and may they sing him wholeheartedly today may they say the cross before me the world behind me may they sing those words with true form today I just pray God that we would give our entire lives over to you holding nothing back in Jesus name we pray amen